Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Anyways, well, um, you guys can get your Bibles ready. I'm, I'm actually sharing a, a series called The Abundance of Grace. I only got through half of part two um, last week, so this is part two of part two. I don't know, I don't know how to call this, but um, uh, I really had three main points I wanted to share on this topic, and I've called this series The Abundance of Grace. This is actually um, something that God put on my heart several years ago, and he reminded of it and, and told me I should teach on it, teach on these three important aspects of grace, and um, I just love God's grace. Whenever you see his grace just shed abroad, when his grace is manifest, when he pours it out, you know, with, whether it be forgiveness or for healing or finances, it's always in abundance. God's grace is always abundant. It, it is never in, in a short supply. It's never lacking. It's always as much as you can contain. And, um, and that's why we can grow in grace, because we, we can grow our container for it. Amen? So the Bible says in Romans 5, 17, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, say, abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. And I love this also, the gift of righteousness. The gift, say, the gift of righteousness. God's kind of righteousness is not something you can earn. It has to be a gift. It's so, it's so priceless, so immeasurable, so immense. There's nothing that you can do to earn even an ounce of his grace. That's why it has to be a gift. Through the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So these are the two things required to reign in life. How, how many of you here want to reign in life? Amen. <laughs> If you have Jesus, you, you are destined to reign in life. That is what this says in Romans 5, 17. So two things required to reign in life, the abundance of grace and also the gift of righteousness. So, so the three um, aspects of grace that I'm sharing on, the first one I talked about a couple weeks ago, grace frees you. A lot of people understand that grace frees you. You know, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my sins from me. A lot of people understand when they come to Jesus that their, their sins are washed away. You know, precious is the blood, you know, it makes me white as snow, right? But a lot of people don't understand the next part of grace, which is that grace transforms you. So it doesn't only just wipe away your, your failures, wipe away your faults, wipe, wipe away your iniquities, your impurities, but, but it also transforms you. You become a new creation in Christ. And a lot of people don't understand that. And you, you, I can tell because people still pray prayers like, I, I'm just a sinner, if you are in Christ, you are no longer a sinner. You are now a saint. You, 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 know, you now have the, Jesus who knew no sin became sin for you. That way you could become the righteousness of God. A lot of people are kind of stuck looking at Jesus still on the cross. You know, he, 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 he's, he's gotten off that cross. He also got up out of that grave and the Holy Spirit was also poured out on the day of Pentecost. So a lot of people are, are kind of stuck B.C. You know, if you're politically correct, you say B.C.E., before the Christian era. And then the Christian era. We're in the Christian era, the C.E. Anyways, I, when, I, when, I, when I went to school, it, you know, I, I would always put B.C. and A.D. That's the traditional way to label history. And it's, it's all, it all points to Jesus. All history points to Jesus, no matter what you change the letters to. And, uh, man, you can't, you can't wipe away Jesus. So grace frees you, grace transforms you. I kind of, I, I like this, this um, example I gave of a report card. You know, 
Grace frees you. That's like God taking your old report card, your report card from years and years and years ago. And this is what the devil tries to bring up is your old report card. But I have good news for you. God, God does not have your old report card. He does not have old video footage of you. He does not have old audio. He's not going to come, come get the FBI and raid your, you know, the, the closets of your history. And <laughs> Some people are just always, always trying to drag stuff up and always trying to pull skeletons out of the closet or fabricate skeletons in closets or what. God does not do that. So that old report card, it, it, he, he just completely deletes it. It's like he shreds it and then pours gas on, the, on the, the shreddings and lights it on fire. And when the devil says, hey, God, Aaron used to cuss. Aaron did this. Aaron, you know, Aaron, God's like, there's no record. There's no, there's, there's no, there is no record of it. So that, that's grace freeing you. But, but not only that, God, God then does something else to the accuser of the brethren. He pulls, he pulls out, or he goes out and pulls out, you know, he goes into his file cabinet. There, there's, one, there's one record he keeps, and that, that is the record of Jesus Christ. Pure, perfect, sinless, spotless. He goes and gets his report card, Jesus Christ. And then when he does, he, he goes to the accuser, and he, he writes your name right next to Jesus' name. He said, look, look at Aaron. His righteousness is Jesus' righteousness. His wisdom is Jesus' wisdom. His sanctification is Jesus. He has been fully paid. He is now in Christ. He is no longer a sinner. He is a saint. And he is now, he's not an orphan. He is, he is also my son. He's been adopted in the family. Not only that, he is an inheritance. And not only just an inheritance, he is a co-heir with Jesus. That, that is the, the transforming power of grace. But because that, that just like blows your mind and it should blow your mind, if you, never heard, if you really start thinking about it, that, that his righteousness is your righteousness, his wisdom is your wisdom, his sanctification is your sanctification, his saint, saintliness is now your saintliness. Like, when you start thinking about it and how powerful that is, you realize that there's nothing you can humanly do on your own to, to be those things. When Jesus, you know, we, we quoted this scripture Sunday during worship from John 14, verses 12 through 14. Jesus said, because I go to my Father, greater works than these you will do also. The same works and greater works. And because I go to my Father, anything that you ask in my name, I will do it for you. You can't, this isn't, it's not about you, it's about the empowering side of his grace. That's why Jesus didn't just leave you empty-handed. That's why he told his disciples, hey, stay here in Jerusalem until I give you the Holy Spirit. You need, you, and again, it is not a short supply thing. Man, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, it is like being baptized in the ocean, when the current is high. There, there, it, is, it is powerful, it is transforming, it, it is incredible. You know, a lot, like I, I grew up here in Colorado. There is not an ocean in Colorado. When I married Heather, she's from Tennessee. Everyone in Tennessee drives down to Florida. They drive down to Destin and Clearwater, all these pretty beaches. So when I married Heather, that was one condition that she had was that we went to the beach at least once a year. I hadn't really been to the beach a whole lot. I'm pretty fair-skinned. I, um, 
I was a little scared to, to do this beach thing with her. And uh, I remember when I was, I was about 20 years old, I, um, I, I, I did a summer music festival in Santa Barbara, Colorado, and, or Santa Barbara, California, and not Colorado. I wish we had Santa Barbara in Colorado. That'd be nice. It's the Pacific Beach right there. And um, anyway, so I was in Santa Barbara, and um, I would go, go swimming in the ocean and running along the ocean. And um, my grandma, Pastor Lawson's mother, came and visited me, Phyllis Purdue. Uh, I call her chicken grandma because when I was a kid of my two grandmas, she was the one that had chickens. And she's still forever known as chicken grandma. But uh, she came and visited me, and we went on a, like a, a, I had a concert just like in an hour and a half, just a little bit later. But so I was in my tuxedo. She was in her like dress to go to this concert. And uh, we, we decided to go for a walk on the beach. But we didn't realize as we were walking, um, it was high tide. The tide was coming in. And, and uh, we were kind of trapped where we're at because the tide had come in. And so we tried to crawl along these rocks to get back to the main beach. And um, as we were crawling, just this huge wave came and just doused us and knocked a chicken grandma over in the sand. And, um, and um, so I like rushed her to her hotel so she could change and, and try to like rinse all the salt water off. And, and we made, I barely made it to the concert. And uh, man, the, the, the Holy Spirit kind of just, he's going to knock you down like that sometimes. So, so don't, don't try to be super pretty, super clean, super presentable. Um, if, if you're going to a, a church where the Holy Ghost might, you never know what, what the tide of the Holy Ghost is going to do. So, amen, that, that, that is a grace empowers you. So let's go on, uh, let's get back into grace transforms you. As I talked about how if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Grace transforms you into a new creation. That's from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Grace also puts you in a brand new family. This is where I got stuck last week. Ephesians chapter one, I could probably preach on that first chapter of Ephesians and our new family being adopted into the family of God, being the the value of becoming a son and daughter of God, how powerful that is. Man, it's so, it's so amazing to think that Jesus taught, taught us to be sons and daughters, that he taught us that, hey, this is the best name of God. It is, pray to him as Father. You know, and I just, I just, um, I just kind of think about how people uh, approach God sometimes through prayer or through worship songs. Some people, you know, you know, use different types of names like well, you're, you are the God of that Jesus that Paul preached, or you, you are the God of, of Elijah, God of Abraham, which is fine. He is the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God of Moses. He's the God of Paul. He's the God of Aaron. He's the God of Heather. He's the God of... But, but, but is he your father? And there's something when you come to God with that, that spirit of adoption within you crying out, Daddy, trying, crying out, Abba, Father. There's something when you come, come directly to him as a son and say, you are my father and I'm coming to you as my, that, that is so much more powerful than, than praying, you know, God of, God of Methuselah. You know, he is the God of Methuselah. I like Methuselah. He lived the longest time. But, but, uh, but man, just coming to him directly as father and, and just praying directly in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. Man, that, that name is so, so powerful and it's so, so amazing that we get to just use it. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had an event at a, 
for, for, for families here at the church to go to uh, um, the Lost, lost Island, uh, you know, many, all the kids got to go there, and, and we told people to wear your church shirts, and we had this shirt that says, Jesus is Lord. That's, that's a slogan for our church, and um, I just thought how, how, like, even though it's on a t-shirt, it's such a sacred thing to, to just be able to have that printed on your shirt and to wear it and to, to go out and, and shine the light of Jesus. And it's, it's, a very, it's, a, it's a very sacred thing. The name of Jesus is such a sacred, and, and to be able to pray in his name because he goes to the Father, he will do anything that you ask. It's, it's such, a, such a powerful, powerful name. So we, we are in a new family. Now I want to talk about um, grace transforming us and, and putting us in a new position, a new position. Now, a, a lot of people are coming, coming to God like, like in the B.C. position, the before Christ, before he, he died and was raised again. But because he's been raised again, we, we're, now, we're now A.D. Or, or after his death, after the resurrection, we're now in, in the Holy Ghost era, the HGE. That's how I would write my history book if I was the greatest historian and could just change whatever you know, initials I could to. I, I call this the HGE. You know, I, I'd say you know, there was three days where it was AD, then there was another 50 days where it was AR after the resurrection, and then, and then we're really in the HGE now, the Holy Ghost era. Amen? And the, these eras keep getting better and better. I'm excited about the next era when, when he comes again. The millennial era. The ME, it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome. Um, anyway, so we're in a new position. Let's go to Ephesians 2. And just talk about how grace has transformed our position. So we'll start in verse 1. I'm happy I have a little more time on, on Grace Transforms You because I, I was thinking last, I didn't know how I'd, man, Ephesians, I could, me and my dad are preaching um, for a television program right now through Ephesians and we thought we'd do it in like four weeks, but it's taking us 12, maybe, maybe more, maybe 16, I, I don't know. It's especially with both of us. It's interesting. It's a, it's a good dynamic. Um, we both look at things in a very deep you know, independent ways, and um, it's awesome. Some ironing, sharpening iron right, right there on, on our Grace for Today show, so. All right, so Ephesians 2, verse 1, so it says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. I like that transformation right there. You are dead, but now you are alive, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So we once walked according to the course of this world. So just, just how the world works, how, how the, the way of the world, that's how we were. So the way that we are now, and it is very different. The way, Jesus is the way, and that way is very different than the course of the world. And, and often... Pretty much all the time, that course is, is almost opposite. You're going to be running in, you might be running into a few contrary um, things every now and then. Amen? 
Verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the, des the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. I love what he said, how um, we once all conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh and the, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So he, um, a lot of people, I, I think, I heard someone say this. I don't know who it was because I would give them the credit. Um. But, but one of the, the greatest, you know, downfalls of, of, of this kind of young generation right now is people exalt their own mind too highly. If they think, like they've been told, if you think something, then it is true. Like people, people have been taught that if you think something, if your mind desires it, if your mind believes it, then that, that is a reality. But, but God... Man, that, that is not a reality. And I love what God says. It's in, um, let me find my scripture here. Isaiah 55, verse eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what happens if you have a thought that it maybe not, might not be the right thought? Or what if you have a doubt or, or you have, it's okay. You know, sometimes I have thoughts that are not good thoughts, thoughts that are not positive thoughts, thoughts that are not godly thoughts, thoughts that are not the right thoughts. But it's okay because I, I'm, not, I'm not serving my thoughts. I'm serving his thoughts, his will, his word. Amen. So what, what do you do? You just, you just surrender it. God, I, I trust you. I trust your ways more than my ways. I trust your way of thinking more than my way of thinking. And even so, and I, I, God, God has given us a brain for a reason. It's good to use your rationale, good to try to understand things. And um, man, I, I, love, I love going into scripture and trying to dissect it and trying to understand things. And, and, and sometimes I don't always understand something. And I'll just say, God, I want you to, to reveal this to me, bring, bring me revelation. I don't understand how this works, but, but so many times God has answered. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's a few years later when I bring back through the Bible again, but so many times when I was kind of questioning something, wondering about something, God, how does this really work out? Man, he'll, he'll just bring revelation there, and I'll be like, God, that is, that is incredible, I remember one time I, I'd always read through, through John 8 about the, the woman caught in adultery, and I think about, about these you know, religious rulers who caught her in the very act and brought her before Jesus. And they said, the law says to stone her, but what do you say? And, and um, you know, the, the law does say if someone is caught in adultery to stone them. But Jesus, you know, he also said, you know, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So I, I would kind of ask myself, did, you know, did Jesus break the law? And I didn't really know the answer to that question. You know, he, the Bible says that Jesus didn't break the law. And I would, you know, year after year kind of come back to that chapter in John 8 and wonder, and then God just, God just showed me. He, he pointed me. I, I went to the law. I went to Exodus. You know, it's, it's um, 34, chapter, 34 chapters in, a, sorry, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is 34 chapters. And I went to the, the very middle, the very middle chapter, chapter 17, and chapter 17 of Deuteronomy has 20 verses, and it went to the very middle verse, verse 10. And it's, it's a picture of exactly what happens in, in John 8. The law pointed to, the law had an amendment, a provision for grace for Jesus. 
It said if someone is caught in, in a sin that is worthy of execution, worthy of death, but you're, you're kind of confused, you don't know how to, to go about you know, exercising the law, you can bring them before a judge, bring them before a priest in those days. It starts saying this in Exodus 17, verse, verse 6 and 7. It says, take them to that judge, take them to that priest, this person who, who, is, who should be put to death. And it says right there in, in, the, in the 10th verse that, that they, they will make a decree. So Jesus, they, they did exactly this. They brought him to this great priest, this great judge, this great ruler. They brought, him, brought this woman before Jesus, and he made his decree. What was his decree? He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And it says, you know, he, he, he started writing down, writing in the dirt. Now, he, he was writing in the dirt before he made it. They, they said, she's, you know, the law says to do this, but what do you say? So he, he started writing in the dirt, right? I believe he started writing right there in Exodus. Sorry, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 17. Sorry, he also wrote in Exodus to Moses. So the same, the same finger that wrote to Moses in Exodus wrote in the dirt here. And then he gets up and makes his decree. And then he goes down and writes again, it says, right? So he, he continued writing with what the law said. And it says in Exodus, starting in, in verse 11, if you don't do what they declared for you to do, then you shall be put to death. So he's writing, if they don't do what I say to do, then they shall be put to death. And what happened? They, they saw the, the law, the, the very central verses of the law written out there in, in, in plain Hebrew. And they all, so right in the middle of the law, there was a, a provision, a, a prophecy, a, a, a way to make Jesus fulfill the law. So he did not break, so, so God showed this to me years later that he, Jesus did not break the law, he fulfilled the law. And that there, there was, man, and if Jesus, if Jesus declares you innocent, if he, decla if he declares you forgiven, he is the judge of all judges, he is the priest of all priests, he is, man, no one can come against that. And whenever accuser tries to come against that, you don't want to come against what God has called righteous. And really, the, the, the enemy comes against that. He'll come against that in, in your heart, in your mind, try to, try to take you out of the family, try to take you out of your position. But let's read about, let's keep reading about our position here. Verse four, I love this. But God, how many just say, but God. But God, two of the most powerful verses in the Bible. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with, with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say this with me. I am seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And you might, you might, some people might say, sure, well, I'm seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, but I'm not in heaven yet. Or, or I'm, I'm still here on this earth, so I'm still, I'm still full of this sinful man who's, I still got my 
sinful nature and my struggles and, and uh, no one knows what I've been through. Nobody knows what's killing me. I just heard that on the radio today, on Christian radio. Yes. Anyways, someone who doesn't understand the transforming power of grace. We are seated together in heavenly places. It is so powerful, that position we have in heavenly places. Understanding that the authority that comes from being seated with Christ in heavenly places. You cannot have authority here on this earth. You cannot have power. Your prayers cannot be answered unless it is backed by authority in heaven. Because I go to my Father, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. That is backed by this verse. You are raised together with Christ and seated in heavenly places. So when we go and do things and ask in his name and we see it done, man, God, I've seen some crazy things and it's like shocked me. And I... Maybe my thoughts weren't thinking perfectly, or I, I, I don't know, but I was a little surprised. I remember the first time, like, just, just only being a pastor here for a couple of months. This woman came up for prayer after church on a Wednesday night, and, and um, man, she, she had, like, one of the worst um, scenarios ever. She, she, she had just um, been to the doctor. They, they diagnosed her with with um, uh, breast cancer. She told me her mother had died of breast cancer. She had um, some young children who were school age. She um, just lost her job, didn't have a car. Um, and, and all I could do was pray in the name of Jesus. And, it's, it's, and just pray the prayer of faith. And I prayed for her, and she came back the next week just, just glowing, just beaming. She said, I went back for more tests, and they said they can't find any more cancer. It's gone. And I, I, um, I remember just, just being almost shocked. And I was thinking about, about um, the 70 that were sent out. Jesus sent out the 70. You know, and this is in Luke 10, verse 17. You can turn there if you'd like, Luke, Luke 10, verse 17. This is, this is kind of cool. Luke 10, verse 17. So he sent out the 70, and, and they came back. They returned with joy. They, they were like surprised. They were shocked. They're like, Jesus, this is crazy what's been going on. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I love that it says, in your name, in the name of Jesus. And he said to them, I like that, that he, um, he just like leave, leaves the, the plane, leaves the the. the the level that they're on. And he just says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And he kind of returns to what they first said. You know, you're rejoicing. Here, I'm going to tell you what to rejoice. Don't just rejoice in this, but rejoice that the spirit, don't just rejoice that these spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because you're going to be seated with me in heaven. When I get out of that grave, when I ascend to heaven, you will be seated with me. Your name will, you will have a VIP seat right next to Jesus. 
Man, when you think about your heavenly position, I, I don't care what happens to my earthly position. Honestly, I don't care if, 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 I, if I, I don't care what position I get here on this earth. I don't care if I'm working at McDonald's or I'm the president of the United States or I'm a mega church pastor. I do not. The thing that I rejoice about most is my position in Jesus Christ. People here on this earth are not going to always recognize you, not always going to value you, not go, who cares? I'm accepted in the beloved. Jesus loves me. So someone else doesn't love me? You're just missing out. God, God loves me. I guess I'm a pretty lovable dude. Your names are written in heaven. We have a heavenly position of authority. Think, think about that. You are seated with Jesus. I don't, know, I don't know how this works, but everyone has a VIP seat right next to Jesus in heaven. They were arguing, who gets to sit next to Jesus? He answered, everyone sits right next to me. That's the answer, you know, the, 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 the mama bear was wanting to know. Are those... Which, which disciples were they? Pastor Lawson's not here tonight. He usually answers all my questions right like that. He, he's got the whole Bible memorized. We all get to seat right next to Jesus. Isn't that so cool? We have a heavenly position of authority, of right standing, seated with Jesus. And, and because of that position, we have authority here on this earth. You have to have that heavenly position, that heavenly authority before you can exercise it here on this earth. So that's what he was trying to tell them. I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I, I just love that he's just telling them that, that, that just I don't have power over the enemy, but now you have power over the enemy. That, that, is, that is the true gospel. It's not just that Jesus has power over the enemy, but that we have power through Jesus over the enemy. That is the full gospel. That we are now in Christ. We are transformed in Christ. Grace frees us, but now grace transforms us. And, um, and we, we have to have that revelation. I, I love, you know, the first time the gospel was preached, I mean, God, God, knew, God knew the plan for redemption before, before creation. But the first time that, that the gospel was verbalized was, was in the Garden of Eden. You can see it in Genesis 3, verse 14 and 15. This is the first time the, 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 the gospel is, is, is spoken, is, is written down, is, is, and it's actually God speaking to the devil. God, God the, the devil does not like you because he knows he is defeated. He has known he has been defeated since he felt like lightning, but then he knew he was really defeated when God preached the gospel to him right there in Genesis 3, 14 and 15. So it says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. You shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. So you bruising his heel, that's talking about the crucifixion, but it says that the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is gonna bruise your head. What, what does the head mean? 
The head, the head is, is the symbol for authority. He is gonna crush all your power, all your authority. Right, the head is where you come up with plans, where you come up with the wiles of the devil. He's gonna crush those, but, but not only that. This, this is kind of like a little addition to, to the gospel that Satan wasn't anticipating. That, that, that whoever believes on Jesus, whoever has, who, who comes into relationship, they, they become in Christed, that they are also gonna have the power to crush his head as well. So it's not just one person crushing his head, it is everyone who takes their position in Christ, seated in heavenly places that are now gonna crush his head as well. The devil was not anticipating, but this is the full gospel, is that it's not just Jesus crushing the power of the enemy, it is everyone who is in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places, now gets to crush all of his head, all of his authority, all of his power, all of his planning, conniving evilness. Stealing, killing, destroying, we have authority over it. And that's, that's what Paul reveals in Romans 16.20 just almost in like an afterthought kind of way, Romans 16, 20. He alludes to the, 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 you know, the first time the gospel was preached in Genesis 3. He says in Romans 16, 20, kind of in the conclusion portion of, of Romans, that one of the greatest books in the Bible that, that really talk about the gospel. He says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Your feet. Your, that is the gospel that he, the God of peace, We'll crush Satan under, under your feet shortly. Man, we always have to think about who we are in Christ. You know, just, just I was thinking about that song we were singing, you bring light to the darkness. We carry that light. Christ is in us, the hope of glory, and we are in Christ. So we, we, we are bearers of that light. So we have a new, man, that is powerful. Our, our heavenly position, that is where the power is at. That is, that is the full power of the gospel. Our new position. I want to talk about our new purpose as well. Man, whenever God, whenever God pours out his grace, whenever he makes his grace abundant, whenever man, there is always a purpose behind it. We, we serve a purposeful God. Amen? And he, he, he injects purpose into our life. I want to look at 1 Corinthians 1. Let's start in verse 26. But I was hoping to get through that second chapter of Ephesians in just like a couple minutes, but that took, again, a while. Ephesians is so great. If you're, if you're feeling like beat up and defeated and not that important, just read like two verses of Ephesians and think about it for an hour and start rejoicing. 1 Corinthians 1. Let's start in 26 here. Verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God, God likes to use unusual people from unusual places to do unusual things. He is still doing that today. Maybe you don't feel that qualified. That, that makes you more qualified. 
God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. God wants to give you new purpose. And the purpose that he has for you, it is gonna be greater than what you can do on your own in the natural apart from Christ. The the purpose, the plan, the destiny he has for you, it should make you uncomfortable. God God rarely calls people to a comfort zone. Hey, Abraham, I'm calling you to a nice, you know, retirement center (laughs) where you won't ever have to worry about anything and just chill out and coast. No, you need to go to a new land. And by the way, you're going to be a father and, (laughs) and, uh, Man, he, God, God is always, always, always injecting new purpose, new, new, new dreams, new visions. He's always doing new things, new grace, new mercy every morning, new purpose. We shouldn't, we shouldn't just reach a place where we're just stale. New purpose. And um, I, I uh, and there are so many stories. Just this Bible is full of transformation stories. I like. I, I want to just share one example, and there is literally a thousand examples in Scripture of, of just amazing transformation stories. Just, just paralytics being transformed into dancers, the mute being transformed into worship leaders, harlots being transformed into evangelists, fishermen being transformed into pastors, terrorists being transformed into apostles, slaves being transformed into governors. And I love this one, wimps being transformed into warriors. I love the story of Gideon. Man, I love the story of Gideon. Man, what what an awesome picture of grace in the book of Judges. Now, this angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon. Gideon, his purpose in life is to survive. I've been there before. How how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to survive? How am I going to get some girl to think I'm cute enough to maybe get married someday? I don't. I know I'm accepted in the beloved, but I, you know, would just like to get a date, God. And, uh, but he, he likes to use confound the wise, you know, confound, you know, choose unusual people even to come together. And, uh, man, Heather is extremely beautiful. I, I'm way married up. That was abundance of grace right there. So I, I look at her and I think that's a, abundance of grace in my life. That is something I cannot deserve, earn. That is a complete gift from God. So Gideon, just in survival mode, the angel of the Lord, probably super excited, shows up and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Like, just so excited. This this angel had probably been waiting, like, since before creation even. You know, like, God said, someday I'm going to create mankind, and I'm going to make Adam and Eve, and, 
you know, I got to spread out, you know, the, the, these jobs to different angels, but this is going to be your chance. You get to go to this guy named Gideon and tell him he's a mighty man of valor, and he's with this, the sword of the Lord, and of Gideon, he's going to, you know, bring a great deliverance to all of Israel. And he goes to Gideon, he's like, Gideon, I've been waiting millions of years since the angels were created, which is probably, I, I, don't, I don't know how, I'm not going to get into all that theology tonight. <laughs> I only have two minutes, so. But Gideon's like, you, you, you got the wrong guy. I'm sorry. And uh, the angel was probably so disappointed. Been waiting so long, just like a horse behind the gate, just ready to do this. And and um, and just just uh, man, this this person who's supposed to bring great deliverance and you know, supposed to be a great person of faith and lead this great faith people just. He's a complete wimp. And he said, you know, I, I'm actually the wrong guy. I'm from the, the, the least tribe, not even the, the least tribe, the, the, I'm of the, of the half tribe and the, the lesser of the half tribes and of all the families in this tribe, I'm from the worst family and of, of everyone in the family, I'm the worst in my family. My dad hates me. I'm, I'm like the redheaded stepchild of the family. And this, this angel says, well, and he, he like says some great things of faith. He's like, I don't even believe in God. Where's this God who performed all these miracles? Like, he's talking to an angel <laughs> sent from Yahweh, you know, like straight from the throne room who has this like staff that could just zap whatever he wants to zap. And he's probably like wanting to zap Gideon and just, <laughs> sorry, God, I kind of messed up and But thankfully, God, God showed grace to Gideon. And he said, well, well, prepare an offering. Prepare this offering and zap the offering instead of Gideon. And then Gideon's like, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't get zapped. And it was like very afraid. Like, I should probably get zapped because I was just blaspheming. And, um, but then God's, the, the angel disappeared. All right, this is kind of cool. The angel, the angel disappeared after he zapped the offering. And then it says, Lord, all caps, so Yahweh spoke to him directly and said, you know, don't be afraid. I'm giving you my peace. And, and Gideon, for the first time in his life, had an encounter with God, had a relationship with God, and, and God spoke to him, and he built an altar and said, Yahweh is shalom. Yahweh is peace. And from that, from that moment on, things started changing. So God told, the first thing God told him to do was to, to go to his father's house, and, and Gideon clearly has a lot of daddy issues. He just confessed it, like, I, I'm the least in my father's house. So you need to go to your daddy's house and, and go to his back, to take, take his bull, take his prized bull, slaughter it, and tear down his altar to Baal. So Gideon, being this great man of faith, goes in the middle of the night <laughs> and, and gets some people to help him. So maybe I could blame it on them. And I, I wasn't there, you know. Even though he went in the middle of the night and had other people go with him and everyone knew it was him. It was that guy who looks like he's bearing some light. And they tell the father of Gideon, bring him out, we're going to kill him. But Gideon actually stands up for his, or Gideon's father stands up for his son. And, um, 
says, no, we're not going to kill Gideon. We're actually going to kill you. Everyone who wants to serve Baal. Man, there's this huge shift. And um, um, Gideon's father names him Jerubal, like gives him a nickname, which means like, you little Baal fighter, you. <laughs> so now he's got like a place in the family. God, God starts, man, his heavenly position starts changing some things with his earthly position too. That favor in heaven starts changing some of his favor here on this earth. And, you know, Gideon's thinking, well, all right, I got to go against this army of 120,000. So I'm going to get as many people as I can do. That's, that's a good initial way to try to recruit. Just get whoever you can get. You know, do you have two arms, two legs, and you can breathe? Okay, you're ready for my army. So he gets 10,000. Or he gets, he gets 30, sorry, 32,000 recruits. 32,000, and God, God tells him that's too many. And Gideon's probably thinking, I don't know about this. That's, God, God just said, well, just tell everyone if they're, if they're scared, go home. So if you, if you come to this church and you're scared, just go home. So, <laughs> we can do it without you. We want you here. No, <laughs> we're still in the, the initial stage. Well, if you got, we'll take everybody. <laughs> That's how we recruit here. So, so 22,000 people leave right away, and there's just 10,000. And the game's like, all right, 10,000 versus, I think there's 120,000. It's like, these, aren't, these are bad odds, but they're not too bad. Let's go, let's go out. And God said, well, that's too many. Because I, I don't want people to think that you're this mighty person on your own. That angel said, spoke a spiritual reality. That you're a mighty man of valor, but he doesn't want Gideon to just get all the credit. So he said, well, go, go down to the brook and, and watch how people drink. If they, they drink with their hands, bring their hands up to them, you can, you can keep them. So Gideon's probably praying, God, I hope with these 10,000 that everyone drinks that way. Because I really, I really need all these 10,000. And only 300 drink that way. And so he sends, you know, the 9,700 home. There's 300. And he's like, all right, guys, we're going up against 120,000. This is going to be awesome. And <laughs> he's not quite there yet. And God, God knows he's not quite there yet. God, 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 God's grace is so beautiful, he's going to meet you where your faith is at. So, so he, God, God knows that Gideon needs some encouragement. So he tells Gideon, hey, Gideon, I want you to sneak down to the enemy's camp. And he doesn't tell him why, but I want you to sneak down there to this camp of 120,000 people in the middle of the night. I just want you to go sneak down there. And getting again, bringing, being this great man of faith, takes someone else with him. It's just like, hey, if they get me, go, go give my you know, last will and testament to my mama and to my daddy. And So he goes down there with, with his friend, and, and he hears you know, this, this um, enemy soldier telling a dream to the other soldier. And, and this, this, this enemy said, well, I, I had a dream that this, this loaf of barley came tumbling into our camp and just destroyed us all. And, and that's, that, that's the sword of Gideon and of the Lord. And, and, and um, that, that, for some reason, that, that really got Gideon excited. And what, what was happening was, was um, that, that entire army what was being overcome with a spirit of fear. Starting, starting just, just permeating them from, from 
even into the, from their conscious clear through their subconscious. A spirit of fear was coming upon them. And um, so Gideon, you know, gets his 300 troops, you know, and, and he arms them with jars and with trumpets. And says, all right, we're going to go out here. So I don't, maybe they had some daggers, probably a few of them put a dagger in their, their boot or something. Like, I mean, at least need something here, God. Like, I uh, like the trumpet in the jar, but. But he goes out and just says, you know, when, when, I, when I blow the trumpet and I'm going to crash these jars, shatter them, I'm going to shout the, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And you do it on my command. And they did that. And what was happening, these Gideon and these 300 people who were beneath him, they were being anointed with this, this spirit of faith, this, this, this faith that comes from a relationship with God, understanding that God is at peace with us, that God has good plans for us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to deliver us. Yahweh is shalom. That, that became a reality. And that, that peace just permeated Gideon to the point that he could just take 300 guys with jars and trumpets and that, that piece is so beautiful. And, and, and this is a picture of peace versus fear. So the army of 120,000 had, had this spirit of fear over them. And 300 men anointed with this revelation that Yahweh is shalom. And, and those 300 guys wiped, killed, that, that, the 120,000, they, they were so overcome with fear, they just started killing each other in the middle of the night. And um, man, peace is, is so much more powerful than fear. Just keep going back to that, that place of peace, that place of position, that place of, man, we are seated with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, right next to him, right in that VIP seat. Keep going. That's where our authority comes from. That's where our power comes from. Amen. Keep going back to that place. And uh, maybe some of you tonight don't feel like you have that, that peace working in you. Maybe you don't feel like your thoughts are thinking right. Or just, God, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I'm going to believe your thoughts. I'm going to doubt my doubts and believe my beliefs. And I'm going to trust that position that you have for me, Lord. And I know that position in heaven, it's, it's a greater reality than whatever is happening here right now. And I know that my authority comes from that, that authority that I have in heaven because my name is written down in heaven. Amen? Man, God's great grace, it brings radical transformation. Say this with me. I am a new creation in Christ. I am in a new family. I have a new position. And I am called by God with a new purpose. God isn't done with me yet. His grace has transformed me and it's transforming me now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Heather's gonna come up and take up the offering here. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.